This is the Sexual Alchemy Podcast for men who want to discover and embrace profound confidence, intimacy, pleasure, and connection. I'm Rebecca Lowry, and I invite you to explore who you really are as a confident, sexual, and sensual man. Whether you're dealing with specific sexual issues or you just know there's more to it than you've experienced so far, this is a safe space for you to learn, grow, and expand your erotic potential and possibilities. Welcome to the Sexual Alchemy Podcast. Today, I am very excited to have the very lovely Martin Rorillo with me. Martin is a former journalist who suffered a career-ending stroke in December of 2013. He now has a blog and a podcast and does public speaking about stroke and stressed, aimed in particular at helping survivors come to terms with life after stroke. Martin, welcome. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm so happy you're here. So we did some work together a while back around getting your sex life back post-stroke. We tell did. Us, tell us a bit about your journey to that moment. Well, my stroke was actually trained in December 2013, and it took for a while the whole of my left side of my body. The left side of my body was paralysed for a fortnight. But it also affected large parts of my back and my and obviously the, the part of my brain that was affected can result in erectile dysfunction. And I did find it very difficult after the stroke to get a serviceable erection, partly because of nervousness about, you know, whether having sex can cause another stroke. And that's very, very common among stroke survivors. I've heard lots of stroke survivors say that they're scared about the fact that will having sex give me another stroke because of the pressure it puts on the heart and, and, and things like that. The answer to that is emphatically no, by the way. But I found that I couldn't move into certain positions and I couldn't get a serviceable erection. So I then thought about, right, well, I've been married for 20-something years. It was at the time. I, we've had a decent sex life. We've had a very good sex life in some ways over the years. I don't want to lose that. My wife doesn't want to lose that. How can we go about trying to make sure that we don't lose that. And as in lots of things to do with stroke, the answer is don't think about what you can't do. Think about what you can do. Because there are lots and lots and lots of things that you can do, even if you can't get a serviceable erection. Mm. And I remember, I, I think we had this conversation, and I saw something on your previous website, which said, which was about, 75 ways to have sex without porn or 75 ways to achieve orgasm without porn or something like that. I can't exactly remember what the words were. There's a version on that of that on my current website, non-porn routes to arousal. That's the one, non-porn routes to arousal, yeah. And it was just different ways to think about sex. Sex doesn't need to be and probably shouldn't be at our age, just straight <laughs> penis in vagina. It, can be so many other things. So I saw this list on your website and printed off a copy of it, printed off two copies of it, in fact, gave one to my wife. I had one. We 
talked about the things that we didn't like. We talked about the things that we did like. We talked about the things that we wanted to do together. And we came up with our own list of things that we could do. And our our sex life now is, is based almost exclusively around that list. Thank God, I didn't know that. That's amazing. And how would you say yeah. your sex life is now? Well, for a couple of, I mean, my wife, my, my wife won't mind me telling you that she's 60. I will be 50. I was 57 in March. So for a couple of our age who've been what we, we've been through, it's not too bad at all. That's great. We've had difficulties in recent months because of some family issues, but we are, you know, we're, we're, we're working our way out of that now. But we talk about it a lot more than we did perhaps 10, 15 years ago. And we're more relaxed about it than we were 10, 15 years ago because we accept that there are things that we can't do. So we just look for the things that we can do. And and you just never know with that list of things that we can do. Right, right. And, you know, it's really interesting because I think when people, when their bodies change, whether that's through stroke or other disability or illness or just age, and they can't do things that they could do previously, I think people tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater and be, well, if I can't do this one act or I can't do it in this position, then I'm just going to stop doing it. Maybe it's not meant to be. Whereas, you know, sex is like, as you say, sex is about so much more than penis and vagina. That's great. But not everyone can do that all the time. And it's just the tip of the iceberg, you know? So you, it's like, even though you could say that bit was, taken away it opened the door to a million other possibilities it did one of my i was going to say favorite statistics one of the statistics i talk about a lot with stroke awareness is the fact that 42 percent of stroke survivors say that their relationship their sexual relationship their emotional relationship has been adversely affected by the stroke and in so many cases that's because the lover has now become the carer. Oh, interesting, yes. And the carer can't cope with that. So the carer just says, stuff this and walks away. Right. It's, I suppose it can be really difficult to feel sexy when you're also being the carer. Yeah, I mean, we, we have never had it that bad. Mm. But if you're having to, for instance, look after your, your previous lover's tooleting needs every day and then trying to have sex that's not an easy thing to do i hear that and i'm i'm sure that's true for some people for me it feels like an opportunity you know again you could throw everything out and it's not going to work for everyone but i think it's tending to someone's toileting needs or having them tend to yours is very intimate i used to be a carer for adults with learning difficulties, some of whom were in adult nappies. So I have changed adult nappies. Obviously, I was not their lover, so that's a slightly different thing. But I, I remember thinking at the time, and this was some 30 years ago, you know, there but for the grace of God go I, and it is my honor to do this, and I'm going to show up with as much presence and love for this person as I can. And I think, you know, again, it was different because they weren't my lover, but it, with a lover, I wonder if there's a way to have the toileting needs be an intimate moment. Because if we want all our intimacy from sex, then we're missing out on other opportunities. So it's a way of kind of broadening it. And this is something that I find very interesting about you and the work that you do, Rebecca, because you have a very 
interesting view of the word intimate. I mean, the general view of the word intimate is just sex, but you you take a much wider view of what intimacy can be. Yeah, I think it's really important. You know, sex, especially if we're talking about straightforward heterosexual penis and vagina sex is great. And I never ever mean for that to be taken off the menu or be diminished in any way, but to expand what's possible because over the course of our human life, shit happens, you know, (laughs) literally and figuratively. And if we are only getting our need for pleasure and connection and intimacy met by penis and vagina sex, then we're just limited. That's like trying to live off of only broccoli. Broccoli is good for you, but only broccoli isn't good for you. You know what I mean? I do, and I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Well, yeah. I know you're 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 a fan. So. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And you know, I think we talked about that back in the day when we worked together, which was, what is it that you and your wife are looking for? Like when we have sex, the mainstream penis and vagina sex. What are we looking for? We have sex for lots of different reasons, don't we? Sometimes it's for pleasure and fun and healing or to connect with our partner or relief or, you know, spiritual things. Like there's lots of reasons. And so if you if you look at all those reasons and then look at, well, how else can I feel joy and meet those needs? And then add that into the mix. Completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. As we said earlier on, that list was 75 things long. Now, I'm not saying that we use all 75. We absolutely I don't think don't. it was, you know, Martin. I think my list was like 20 or 30, and you've added another 30 or 40. It was definitely 75 long. Was it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And no, we don't use all 75, absolutely not. But if you can find 20 or 30 that you can use all the time and just keep varying what you can do, mm. then it's, uh, you know, that I think is a very good thing. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, certainly from personally and professionally exploring the world of sexuality and all the related things, I've seen people get pleasure from some things that you or I might not find pleasurable. So once um, my partner and I were at, it was a a party where sexuality was allowed. It wasn't really a sex party that was kind of happening in the outskirts. And there was a person who was serving hors d'oeuvres on a tray and they were dressed up in a like a French made outfit. And my partner saw them take the tray around the lounge and offer some treats out to everyone. And they go back in the kitchen and stand with their tray and go, <sighs> and had like this little orgasm, you know, from being in service. That was the mm. thing that did it for them. And it was really beautiful to witness, you know, like that is where their source of arousal and pleasure came from. And they were in flow. They were shiny and bright. For me, that wouldn't work. You know, that would not be on my list. It might not be on your list. No, but I can understand how it can be on somebody else's list. We are absolutely not all the same. No. Um, I mean, I, I've been involved in naturism for 30 years. Oh, uh, about and, that. and I I know full well that we are not all the same. If, mm. if we were all the same, it would be intensely boring. Yeah. And, and the, and the human body is not all the same because if it was, it would be intensely more. And see, that's a really interesting point. So you've probably seen a lot more naked bodies than the average person, say, because of being a naturist. And don't you think there's beauty in all shapes and sizes? Absolutely. I used to be editor of British Naturism magazine for four years in, in from 2010 to 2013. 
And I, that meant I had to edit, edit, put together and edit the magazine that the organisation put out once every three months. And it was an, an 80, I think it was an 82-page magazine. Wow. So, yes, I've seen a lot of naked bodies in my time. Mm, yeah. I want to go back to something you said because you skimmed over it and I want to highlight it just in case it made anyone nervous. <laughs> you said that a lot of people who've had a stroke worry that if they have sex, they're going to cause another stroke. And I'm sure that applies to people who've had heart attacks and other kinds of scary events, health events. But then you very quickly said that's not the case. Can you say more about that? People tend to worry that having sex will cause a stroke because it will raise their blood pressure if they've had, as I had, um, if they've had an artery burst in their brain, they, they worry about the fact that the physical exertion involved in sex will cause another stroke. And I've never heard of it happening. I've never seen it happen. I don't okay. know anybody who has had it happen, but I know lots of people that worry about it. Yeah, I could see how someone might fear it or, or worry about it. seems reasonable. But that was interesting to me that you said it, but it's rare that it happens. Hmm. Mm. And another reason to explore other avenues for, of pleasure, too, is like, like you said about the physical exertion, that's still just one way, isn't it, of expressing yourself sexually? Sex doesn't have to involve physical exertion, does it? No, not at all. Not at all. I said this in a previous podcast I did about sex and disability, but I worked with a chap once who was paralyzed from the chest down and couldn't feel anything at all from the chest down. But we managed with what he could feel to create, and you know, using breath and intention and some of my magic to create orgasms for him. What felt like orgasms that they weren't like a penis orgasm like he used to have, but it was enough like an orgasm that for him it felt like pleasure. Like he felt like he got something back, you know? Yeah. And he wasn't physically exerting. He was just using some tools that I taught him. Exactly. Yeah. And so your wife obviously adores you and loves you. I've known that ever since we met, I think. And she obviously loves the new exploration. I mean, it's not new because you've been doing it for a few years now, but the, the way that you've expanded your sex life, she's on board with, right? Absolutely, yeah. I don't think we could have been together so long without us both being on board with something like this. Mm. And was it difficult to talk to her about, or did you already have like really good communication? How did you kind of bridge that gap? That can, I could talk about that all all night if you want, <laughs> because the damage caused to the brain can either, can mean that the, the, the libido goes two ways, one of two ways. I've heard of people whose libido has gone through the floor after a stroke, and I've heard of people whose libido has gone through the roof after a stroke. And I was one of those whose libido went through the roof after a stroke. Um, so I've been much more prepared to have those kind of conversations, and I've been surprised how willing my wife has been to have those kind of conversations as well. That's beautiful. I think the, the stroke has brought us together in so many ways and it's brought us to it, that's one of the ways that it's brought us together in our, our, our willingness to be a couple in that sense yeah i mean it's really beautiful isn't it because you've taken something you know 
painful and potentially tragic and and awful. But you 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 know, with the podcast you have now and the blog you have and the talks you do, I mean, you're Martin the Warrior Warrillo, right? So it's like yeah. you've taken it and made it a strength in a way. It's like a strength for you in your life, and it's become a a, a strong uh, part of your marriage. You know, I say very often that they. December the 16th, 2013, the day of my stroke, was the worst day of my life, but it was also in some ways the best day of my life. Amazing. Oh, I've got chills. You're saying that now. <laughs> yeah. Because if I hadn't survived that stroke, and the other part of the story is that when I when I collapsed in the middle of a road, there was a bus coming and it missed me by oh the width God. of your computer keyboard. Oh, my God. If that bush hadn't missed me, I wouldn't be here to do all the stroke awareness stuff that I'm doing now. It's like that, the universe had a like really specific plan for you, didn't it? It was like, scare him. <laughs> scare him, but don't take his life yet. We need him to go out and educate people and raise awareness and have and to have your own personal journey too. Because, you know, from what you've told me, you've really grown and, and evolved since then as who you are. That wouldn't have happened well, without I was born with spina bifida, albeit a very mild form of spina bifida. I was diagnosed with epilepsy in 2006. Um, I've had the stroke. I've nearly been run over by a bus. Somebody doesn't want me to go yet, do they? No, they're trying real hard, but you're still here. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. You're pretty sturdy. And what's so beautiful, obviously, from my point of view, is you have all those things in your wheelhouse, as it were, and you have an amazing relationship with your wife and you have a sexual relationship with your wife mm-hmm. and with yourself, you know, because I think first you have to come back to yourself so that you have something to serve up with your partner. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. And and I think that's mindset. Mm. I think if, if I've never been one of those people who does the, woe is me, why did this happen to me kind of thing? Because there's no point to, in doing that. It's happened. It's done. I can't change it. So you might as well be positive about it. And as I said several times in this interview, look at the things that you can do, not why did it happen to me? But that's inspiring, you know, because it can be easy to go down the spiral of that, I'm sure. But you and your outlook and how you live your life now really is inspiring, which is why you have a podcast and you do talks. It's amazing. I, I'm not saying that I don't have rubbish days because we all have rubbish days. For sure. But the mentality has to be, yeah, okay, today today might be a rubbish day, but put it behind me and just start again tomorrow. That is amazing. So is there anything that you would want to say to listeners about sex and disability or changing their perspective on what they you know, how they see sex, what it is, um, how to talk to their partner, all the stuff that, you know, we've just talked about that you're kind of the expert in now because you've lived it. Well, I, if, if I may, I, I, I work quite well with a, an organisation called Disability Horizons, disabilityhorizons.com, I think it is. And they are very, very strong on the idea that disabled people, whatever their disability, are entitled to a, to a, to a sex life. Because so many people, when if they become disabled, particularly if they aren't born disabled, but if they have something happen to them that makes them disabled, they can tend to think, well, that's it now. Right. And it absolutely doesn't have to be it. 
Mm-hmm. We'll link to that. We'll link to the is it a charity, did you say? It's a, it's a charity called Disability Horizons. Okay, we'll um, link I mean, to they, that in the show. They, 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 they put out in their newsletter this morning an article about sex toys, why, why sex toys can help disabled people. Oh, that's great. Okay, well, so we'll link to that in the show notes, but we'll also link to you. Tell us where listeners can find you. Listeners can find the website at askthewarrior.com and the podcast is at thewarriorpodcast.libsyn.com, libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. Okay, I'll make sure those are in the show notes as well so people can find you and your amazing podcast, which is about stroke and, and living with the after effects of stroke, right? It's about stroke. It's about living with stroke. We've turned it slightly more towards disability generally in the last few months, but it it still is mainly about stroke and stroke awareness. Because what I'm what I'm tending to find is that people that I know, I mean, I mean, to go back a bit, and this won't surprise you, unless somebody has a stroke themselves or someone in their family or someone in their close network has a stroke, stroke absolutely isn't on their radar. Right. So when it happens, firstly, they think it's the it's they're the first person it's ever happened to. Right. And secondly, they just haven't got a clue where to, where to turn. Right. And what the podcast is about, what the blog is about, what all I do is about, is saying to people, look, I've been through it. I know what, what it's like. My stroke will certainly not have been the same as your stroke. So I might not have the same side effects as you've had, but at least I can tell you how to work with DWP, what uh, benefits you might be entitled to, how to, what other disability charities are out there that can help you. Because the worst thing you can do is sit there on your own and, and you know, just think that, and, and just fall into a hole, basically. Sure, sure. I mean, Knowing that you're out there, you have lived experience of it, you've got something to say, even if you're pointing them in the direction of someone else. Do you talk on your blog or your podcast about sex and disability? I have done in the past, yes. And I'm certainly, I'm certain, it's certainly something that I, I would intend to try and talk about more in the future. That's amazing. Um, the, the, the trouble with what I do is that there are so many things that you can do in this, in this arena. Mm. And because of my brain damage, I have to limit myself to a certain amount of things that I can do because stress is bad for me. Right. You know, I just can't get around to doing everything all, all at once. No, and you shouldn't. You don't have and, to. And I shouldn't, absolutely not, no. <laughs> no, you just do what's in front of you, what makes your heart sing, follow your passion, and that's enough. You know, because we've known each other a few years now, and I've seen you inspire roomfuls of people so you just do what's present in front of you and you don't have to get to everything you've just done the sex and disability bit anyway and that's what frustrates me about zoom rebecca because i find i do find it so much more difficult and i'm sure you're the same to inspire a zoom screen i would far rather stand in front of a room full of people and inspire them than inspire try to inspire a zoom screen yeah i know i know well hopefully by the time this podcast is out, we'll be back in rooms with each other. Particularly because ever, ever since somebody said to me that they finally realized that a Zoom screen actually looked like the theater in the Muppets, <laughs> <laughs> I just haven't been able to take it seriously. Oh, dear. Well, I guess 
in a way, though, that brings us back to where we started, which was you just have to make the most of what you've got, you know, and this last year has been what it's been. And at least we had Zoom because, you know, it was a way of staying connected. But my hope is that as the weeks roll on, we'll be able to get back in rooms with each other slowly but surely. So mm-hmm. and I, I hope that for you, too, because people need to hear you speak. At least they have the podcast and the blog until then. Martin, thank you so much for coming on here. I was looking forward to this so much. I'm I'm so grateful to you. Thank you so much for coming. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Sexual Alchemy Podcast with Rebecca Lowry. If this podcast has aroused your curiosity and you'd like to take things further, you can get a copy of my free video training, Reclaiming Your Intuitive, Confident, Sensual Self. The link is in the show notes below, wherever you are listening.